I have the distinct pleasure today to introduce our, uh, our, our special speaker, and that person is Brother Forrest Tanner. <laughs> Forrest, uh, Forrest and Angela are our uh, recovery pastors here at the house, and uh, we just really felt that uh, as we're in our series on building bridges, that Forrest was going to bring a word in season, and I'm excited for it this morning. Let's give him one more hand. Thank you, Pastor Joel. Wow, what an honor um, to be here this morning. Um, I'm a firm believer we can never pray enough. So if you'll join me in a word of prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for your son and the work that was done on the cross. It's through the redemptive blood that we're here today. That we can have community with one another, that we can have love for one another. Lord, it's through your example. Thank you, Jesus. We'll give you the praise, the glory, and honor. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. All right, are you all, is everyone comfortable? Are you comfortable? Well, don't be that, you won't be that way much longer. So, I want to talk about something we all are arguing about, or not arguing, but it's always on the topic, is the gas prices are absolutely ridiculous, wouldn't you say? <laughs> well, you should see chimneys. They're through the roof. <laughs> All right. Now we lightened up the mood a little bit. Now we're going to get into some heavy stuff. Amen? Got you laughing, and now we're going to bring you down, and then we'll lift you back up. Like Pastor Joel said, we're the uh, recovery pastors here at the house of the Lord, and I just got to say that God does so many wonderful things, has done so many wonderful things in mine, life, my wife, um, my children, and Ruth spoke earlier about generation, and it's funny as that's what I'm talking about this morning is generation and how we make a stand. And just a little bit of my and my wife's backstory is I was a wild biker, partier, I mean, just, I lived for the world. My God was Harley Davidson, I could tell you, because I told everybody that my blood was black and orange. Because I grew up in that world, that's the only thing that existed, was Harley Davidson. If it wasn't Harley Davidson, it was nothing. Well, God, through a series of events, my mom trying to commit suicide, all these things, I began to seek and ask God, God, I can't do this on my own. What is there? There's got to be more to this than what I've got going on. Now, meaning in the meantime, I'm going to church, I'm doing all these other things, but I'm a raving alcoholic, drug addict. Nobody knew what I was going through. And that was just the surface things. Well, God began to strip those things away. When I asked for help, I had no idea what I was asking for. And He began to remove the things that I loved, which was drinking, partying, and he made it so uncomfortable for me to stay in that state of mind that I had to change. And it was not until that me and my wife had a domestic dispute that I woke up in jail and wondered, as I woke up, I laid. And I always say that, you know, I, I, as I opened my eyes, I seen the end of a Bible. 
on a table. And I knew that God had something in store for me right then. I knew that I could no longer go back to where I was, that there was a new road ahead of me. But how do I get there? How do I, how do I get to that spot? Well, I got out and I began to, you know, you can't see your family, you can't do all these things. You're, you know, you got restraining orders or whatever the court said that I had to do. But I always like to tell people that me and the court system decided it was best that I quit drinking. And so I decided I had to put myself in there, so I just didn't give the courts all the power. But it was through that process that God began to work. And I can tell you what, the pruning process can be very painful. Because the things that have to go, you don't realize need to go. Well, and the first thing, I had to start admitting things. Who in here likes to admit when they're wrong? I didn't see any hand go up. Oh, I saw one. Thank you, sir. I don't really like admitting when I'm wrong. But I had to start admitting my faults. And what did that do? Then I found my... We're going to talk about denial a little bit this morning, and we're not going to talk about the river in Egypt. We're going to talk about the denial in our minds, the denial in our hearts, because we... I'm going to speak for myself. I deny myself when I am trying to move forward. So this morning, we're going to talk about Joshua. We're going to talk about the crossing of the Jordan. um, Because we're going to talk about building bridges of restoration. Because restoration is what the Bible is all about. Because... From the beginning to the end, it is all about people messing up, God giving redemption, then they learn their lesson, and then guess what? They go right back and do it again. Does anyone identify with that? I mean, that's me. I mean, I mess up, I ask for forgiveness, I move on, and then I mess up again. Because it's like this repetitive cycle that we go through in our human nature. So, we're going to go right into Joshua 3, 3 through 5 this morning. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from where your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before, but keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits before you and the Ark do not go near it. Well, luckily, we have Jesus Christ now, so we can walk right along with him, But the idea is here is that they had something set before them that they needed to do. Joshua had a task, and that task was to lead the people into the promised land. So, generations. Okay, Moses got them to this place. Moses dies. Now it's Joshua's job to take them the rest of the way in. So your job today here now is to make a stand your job today is to make a stand and say the old is gone the new is to come so what is new what is past what are you walking from or what are you running from i'll just give some examples drugs alcohol eating gambling bad attitude 
I cuss too much. I drink too much coffee. Huh. I don't pray enough. I don't read my word. I mean, all these things that we, we can put in the way. Oh, I watch pornography, masturbation. All these things in life that get in the way of this relationship. That is what's first and foremost is we have to keep this relationship right. So, we always joke about the Israelites taking 40 years to do an 11-day trip. So, how many times have you been around the same circumstance over and over again? Because you can't get past it because you're struggling with it. And around, and here you are. You're walking around. The problem's right here. But you don't want to deal with it. So your circles get a little bit wider and a little bit wider. I better stop or I'm going to get dizzy. Before you come down to really deal with the issue at hand. And here... Moses is no longer, and Joshua has to take the next step. But he's getting ready to do something again with water that already happened with Moses. Hello, McFly, are you there? There is this inherent thing that... I throw a lot of puns, a lot of movie references out there. So if you get them, great. If you don't, I'm, I'm sorry. I like Pastor Joel. I'm going to use his line. I got the mic, so you got to listen to me. That we continue, we've, we see an example of something that God has done. Or we've had something that God has done in our life. And so quickly we forget what he's done in our past. And we find ourselves again in the same circumstance or a similar situation. You're like, oh, I swore I was not going to do that again. And here I am in the middle of here and I am in the middle of doing it again. You know, I can just speak from my personal that, you know, walking away from drugs and alcohol and the party life was just the beginning of the real issues that were going on with me because I struggled with insecurity, self-worth. And we like to say this thing in recovery called the, your um, environmental DNA. So I was struggling with my environmental DNA, everything that had been programmed in me when I was young. So as I began to walk through this process, I began to find other things that were going on and it really wasn't, those, those were just external things that were going on. The internal was the things that were going on in here and in here that nobody knew about. So then I find myself 15 years into my recovery and realizing that I'm battling with pornography. And to come to that place of battling with pornography after 15 years of walking clean and sober. It's like, here I am. I'm getting ready to, I need to cross another body of water. Because I've, God's already pulled me through the Red Sea. The things that were really taking me out, that were affecting my family, are gone. But here I am coming up to another crossroad in my life where I need to get to the other side. God is good, amen? amen? 
you know, I think about the, I, I was bawling during worship because God was just tugging on my heartstrings and he dropped a scripture in my spirit that I have to share with you. It's not on, unless Ivan can find it. I'm sure he can. Uh, Luke 18, 9 through 14. I'm going to read it. I'm going to pick it up at um, verse 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and one the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like the tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this day, that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. In worship, I sat there and I remembered the point in time where I was clean and sober, and I was walking through all these great things in my life, but I had a struggle with pornography that nobody knew about. And here I was at that point, I was the Pharisee. I was the Pharisee at that point in my life. It wasn't until I came to the spot of recognizing, admitting, coming out of my denial that I became the tax collector. I became to that spot where I laid it all down at his feet. When I laid it all down on his feet, let me tell you, now that process is a lot to walk through in a marriage. Those, that was a lot of, lot of stuff to get out there. Men, women in the house, I'm going to tell you that, that this is the, one of the biggest things that is plaguing God's people right now. Why? Because no one wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to talk about the shameful secret sin that nobody sees. Can I tell you that he sees it all? He's seen every time. And I always think of that dang movie, Joe Dirt. You want to be doing that when Jesus comes back? No, I don't want to be doing that when Jesus comes back. That's why I'm trying to make a change, Lord. Oh, Lord, forgive me. You guys might not ever ask me to speak again. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I crack myself up sometimes. Well, if you can't laugh at yourself, who can you laugh at? Amen? <laughs> so I found myself at the place of the tax collector where I began to see freedom and was able to come past that. And, you know, the thing that really just hit me so hard was the Christ-like love that my wife showed during that process. She looked at me, and she starts asking me all kinds of questions. 
you know, man, we're just like, we just put it out there and that's what it is. But we want to know why, what's this, what's this. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't want to talk about that. But as I begin to open up and explain to her, and she just looked at me and she said, you know, thank you for being honest and open with me. And I want you to know that I love you more than anything else in this world that is going on. And she goes, and if something happens to you, trust me, I'm never doing this again because you're way too much work. <laughs> and I said, yes, it's, not, it's not, an, not an easy process to walk through. But God, through that process, restored and renewed. Better than ever before. So everything that I had before Christ, my BC life, and my AD life are totally different. Because there is this process of death to self that we need to walk through. That we need to move into. We're going to move to Joshua 3, 14 through 17. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan... The priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at its flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan, their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away in a town called Adam. In the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of Arif, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So, you're here today, and you have something in your heart that you're trying to get to the other side of. And as you begin to look at the river, your storm, whatever it is you're walking through, and you're like, how in the world am I ever going to get to the other side? Well, the very first part of this first scripture was that the ark went before them. Jesus goes before you. You have to ask him in. You know, he's a gentleman. He doesn't barge his way in. The word says, knock. He will knock. You open the door, then he comes in. We have to invite him into them situations. I had to invite him into my addiction. I had to invite him into all the situations so I could be able to move forward and past it. Because if I didn't invite him in, I'd be, still be trying to do it on my own. And I would still be doing this. I'd never be dealing with it. But as soon as the priest's feet hit the water, it stopped. Flood state. Ever seen a river and flood? Of course we have. We've seen it down here. What does it do? It just takes everything to be able to stop that much water and to make it dry ground. Once again, God has proven Himself because He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? So He stops the water. They then get to the other side. So... Now that's just the easy part. We still got to get to the other side. So what are we walking through when we're getting to the other side? Well, what's your hurt, habit, hang up? 
What are you struggling with? You know, you can walk out into the desert in the middle of the wilderness, but you still have to walk back out of it. So everything that you, you're going to have memories, old thoughts, mindsets that come up when we try to come out of the other side of whatever it is we're struggling with. You know, recovery is not all about drugs and alcohol. Recovery is about life. That's why I like the Life Recovery Bible, because it teaches you that you can recover from anything. It doesn't matter what it is. But how do we get to the other side? We still see it. But in our minds, a lot of times, we still see all the water. We don't see what God's already doing for us. We don't see that He's already made the path. He's opened it up for us. But the enemy wants to keep us clouded. The enemy wants to say, no, you can't get across that. No, the water really is still is there. You can't get to the other side. But we have to be able to step in faith. Joshua had to step in faith because he had some big shoes to fill. You know, we all hear about Moses. Moses did so many wonderful things. But Moses was flawed. Moses couldn't do it on his own. Guess what? I'm flawed. You're flawed. We're not perfect. We mess up. We screw up. We say things we shouldn't say. We do things we shouldn't do. But God is bigger than all of it. He is going to make a way through your difficult storm. He's going to stop the water. He's going to stop the enemy. He can silence the voice of the devil whispering in your ear saying, you're not good enough. You'll never make it. Once an addict, always an addict. Once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. It's not true. That is just a lie of the enemy trying to keep you beaten down. I'm going to go to church every Sunday, but I'm not going to tell anybody about what I'm really battling with. Is this not the biggest hospital in the world? We come here broken, we leave fixed. We need to be able to come here, lay everything down at the altar... And be able to change. It's not an instant change. And that's the process of when we walk across the river. When we walk through the storm. Go to Joshua 4, 4 through 7. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israel, from the tribes of Israel or one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord, your God, into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you in the future, when your children ask you, What do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant, of the Lord, when it, when it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. 
few things in this scripture. They were asked to go get stones from where the priests were standing. Put them on your shoulder. That speaks that they're not just a handful of little rocks. They're stones that they had to pick up and put on their shoulders. That means the crossing of the river was not easy. They had terrain to go through. They had struggles. So, I was doing a little bit of research and they were talking about 600,000 men in that nation to cross. That doesn't include the women, the children, and everything that came along with them. So all the work it took to get across that river. God is patient. Can I tell you that? He is patient with you. He's patient with them. He's patient with us. Thank you, Jesus, that He was patient with me. Because if He wasn't patient with me, I would have been smited a long time ago. The work it took to get to the other side. Just because God breaks the way, you still have your work to do. It's not just handed to you. It's just not given to you. The grace is. You know, why is it grace? Because we're going to mess up trying to get to the other side. We're going to stumble. We're going to fall. I'm going to get in a hurry. I'm going to cut somebody off. Because we get focused. It's not an easy task. He didn't say it'd be easy, but it'd be worth it. When we get to the other side, we can begin to break. Begin to to make a stand. Have the worship team come up. Now, the other part about this scripture is that they were instructed to do something with the stones to make an altar and remembrance. So this morning we've talked about generations. One generation of Moses to the next generation of Joshua. God has done something for them. Now they need to build an altar. What is it in your life that you're trying to get beyond? That you want to move past are you, or have you gotten past something and are you celebrating it? Are you celebrating what God is doing in your life? Are you sharing it with your neighbor? Are you sharing it with the... Come on, your testimony. We have to be able to share our testimony in the process of this. That's what the stones represent. Look what God did in my life. So I can tell you that 16 years ago, I had a prophecy spoke over my life. And the prophecy spoke over my life was that you are going to go out and you are going to speak to the broken and you are going to be talking to those who struggle with addiction and you're going to touch lives. And I said, no, not me. No way. There's no way that can happen. I'm too messed up. I'm too broken. I'm too beat down. I'm not worth it. I'm not worthy enough to do any of this. 16 years ago. So God is doing so many things. You know, 
He can do so much for you. You know, I broke into this church when I was a kid. The irony, huh? And now I'm standing on the stage speaking to the people in the church. I can tell you that there's nothing impossible for our God. Nothing. Because it doesn't matter what your struggle is. I just keep sensing that there's a sense of unworthiness in the room, that I'm unworthy, that the things I've done in my past, God will never forgive. Can I tell you that is a lie of the enemy right now? We make a firm stand against it. We cover it with the blood of the lamb. We send that lie back upon the head of the sender with a blessing that Jesus is Lord. Because nothing is impossible for our God. Nothing. Some scriptures that I hold on to in my life. We say them all the time. Is that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And we have this thing in recovery we like to do. And it's, I'm more than a conqueror. We claim it. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm part of a royal priesthood. Why? Because the Word says it. The Word says it. It's the truth. And the truth will set you free. But you have to be honest with yourself. What are you struggling with? It doesn't matter. Nobody in this room is judging anybody. Why? Because we all messed up. We're all screwed up people. We're imperfect people walking in a perfect shadow. God is so good. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. If you're here today and you have something that has been laid on your heart, God's been tugging at you. And you're like, I just haven't been able to get past this. Can I encourage you that God just wants you to lay it down? He wants you to make a bold statement and give it to Him. Just, He wants us to confess it. So if you can do something for me, I just want everybody to just you got something you're struggling with come up to the front come up to the front because god is wanting to break chains today he wants to just break free the things that have been holding you back in your life he says not today not today because god is going to move in your life in a mighty way it's just breaking of the water water is stopping you are now can press into what God has for you in your life but you got to be able to move in thank you for coming forward Lord Jesus we thank you for your love Lord for nothing is impossible for your mighty hand